The following is a paid program and does not necessarily represent the views of iHeartMedia. Securities and advisory services offered through Investicorp, member FINRA, SIPC. Information provided during the J. Arnold Wealth Management Company show is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. Please consult with your own investment advisor or tax advisor before making any investment decisions. This is the J. Arnold Wealth Management Show. Stepping up to microphone number two over there. Uh, happy 2017. Yeah. 2017. It's in. here. I can't believe it. We had uh, three straight reruns. I appreciate the patience for the listenership. Well, it's nice to have you back yeah. live uh, live and local, as yeah. they like to say. Nice to be back. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, first, uh, I couldn't help but think of you on... Uh, well, I should say over the holidays, I was thinking about you when I was watching the Ohio oh, State man. slaughter. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> how do you cope with that? That was hard. It, what was hard was the embarrassment. You love Ohio State, yeah, I, I do. Um, the embarrassment of it, but I don't know what that deep that offensive coordinator was thinking. But it was J.T. Barrett up the middle, J.T. Barrett right, and J.T. Barrett left, and swing pass to Curtis Samuel. That's been our offense for the past twelve games. And you're playing a super fast, super talented defensive line who are just going to eat that up, and they did. They we got exposed. I was I was embarrassed for us, and it was an ass whooping. It was it was a one way ass kicking, and, uh, and and it was embarrassing. But I know this. You know what though? I'll tell you this: yeah. the draw of Ohio State in this area or anywhere is huge. You know, a lot of people plan their day around around that game. It's it's just huge. I don't care where you go. Ohio State in this state has a huge following anywhere. Well, especially in this area when Jim Trussell took over the program after Cooper. You know, he he got his first he got that national championships in 68 on uh, his year 2 and then that's really people got jumped on the bandwagon. Now me I, I could I could even detail some of our teams in 84 85 under John Cooper. Those are really lean years after Obers. So, I'm not a Johnny come lately. My heart's in in Ohio State and I know the history, and and it was, it, it, and I'm one of those people that that plans my Saturdays around. Like if there'd be any high yeah. school uh, that would be playing in playoffs or whatever, and Ohio State would be playing, you'd have a hard time getting a crowd. If Ohio State is playing and YSU's playing, you have a hard time getting a crowd. If 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 uh, Ohio State's playing and you got a New Year's Eve uh, thing at some place in a band, it's going to be hard to get a crowd. That's really, just how big really, big a draw Ohio State football they're, they're, is. Well, if you if you look at how boring the NFL's become. And how ridiculous that that is! College football and college basketball is now the draw mm-hmm. for the majority of people, and and I, you know the big, the big, uh, the big universities are the draw. You know whether it's Florida State or Notre Dame, which I hate to admit, or Penn State or, and obviously Ohio State and Alabama. I mean that's where the crowd. But it goes. was painful for you, wasn't it? It really was because I was <laughs> I wanted to jump in as offensive coordinator, and I know. <laughs> I don't know, you know, my, my ass from a hole in the ground there, but I just had to say, come on, can we give the kids a chance to win, please? Now, uh, did, did you uh, watch uh, Youngstown State? Yes, I did. You know, How did you deal with that? It was hard, but I understood. <laughs> I, I got I to gotta hand it to those kids. People don't say I follow this football. That James Madison team was probably the equivalent. If you, look, if you talk to Jim Tressler or Bob Hannon, it's probably the equivalent of a very talented Northwestern team. A lot of those kids on James Madison's team, uh, they came from D1 schools, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida State, et cetera. Whether they were kids that got in trouble or kids that wanted playing time out of the get, et cetera, et cetera. We, you know, we were playing a mediocre to higher-level Big Ten team. And to be honest with you, we held them 28 points, which was surprising. But, 
you know, player for player, we weren't a match. Uh, and I'm I'm proud of the kids. I really am. I and I, I know I sound like a like a Jim Trussell type saying that, but I really am proud of those well, kids. Hey, hey we made it to the playoffs. A, they gave us a great show, right. uh, and it's a great foundation to build on because now when Pelini and his crew go to recruit, you know they're going to talk about, hey, you're you're with a national championship contender. Okay, you didn't get you didn't get the big scholarship, but come play for us. Immediate playing time, we, you'll give you national exposure, and we can build something like North Dakota State or what we had in the 90s. We can build upon this. Um, and there's, an ex- there's an air of excitement around Youngstown State mm-hmm. because Jim Trussell is president and Bo Pelini is the football coach. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, I think that gives to, puts the university at a whole other level, whatever people want to think about it. And it's just uh, exciting times. I was just proud that we made it there. Me too. I Me mean, too. I, I think there's a lot to be said you know, for that, and did you see that sea of purple they had down there? Yeah, oh, I was. So, as far as fan base, it was so overwhelming <laughs> right. compared to us. It was crazy. We definitely got to assess how many tickets <laughs> yeah, next time where we're you at, man. Yeah, yeah. next time we're there and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you are coming into your dark days. You remind me of Limbaugh because Limbaugh says oh, when the football is done, it's like it, it, he has withdrawals. Me too. I mean, like, his like favorite time like, of the year is when football starts. That, well, you know what I have in my pocket is March Madness. Mm-hmm. March Madness is my second favorite. I mean, time you f- love football. You I love do, it. I do. I do. That's one of my passions. Right. I love college football. I watch. You know, Joe Schmo University watches Joe Schmo University. I don't really care about the teams. I'm looking at the the quality of the plays and and reading plays and stuff. I, I just love it. So I love your dry audience. spells coming up until oh, March man. Madness, right? Oh man, I'm in, I'm going to be hurting. And then when March Madness is over. <laughs> Man, I, I'm just, I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. I really am. I am miserable. I, uh, uh, I I wish I could get into the Indians pre-postseason, but I can't. Right. Um, it's just a miserable time for So the now, then, then, then it's, then you have no escape. It's all the world of finances, which you can't escape ever. You're the type of guy, and I'll describe you to our listeners. You're, yeah, you're the type of guy that doesn't sleep that much, and you're, you're into, uh, you can't ever take your eye off the ball, can you? Financially no, speaking. You no, know you know what I realized? We had a we had a, a lady call today. We had a phone appointment um, instead of a face-to-face appointment. She did a nice interview on me. Um, I can't use her name, but I'm gonna, so I'm going to call her Mary. Um, and and she, uh, she described, she said, I'm, you're just what I was looking for. And you forget, I forget that I'm different than my, compet- like, than my peers or my competitors. Like, I just assume, doing what I do, this is what you have to do. You have to live it, eat it, breathe it. Sleep it. What did she mean by that? Um, her guy, the guy that she was with, that she's transferring. She had a broker in Chicago. You know, he gave her the ham all around. Well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll put it into this, and maybe this, and maybe that. You know, just the, just that old life insurance financial planner rigmarole from the old days of Northwestern Mutual and stuff. It just, it's just sour. It's just so boring. It just disgusts me. And she's telling me what this guy was saying. He was leading her such down the wrong direction. I was thinking, how in the hell do you call yourself a financial advisor giving this lady this kind of advice? I was just disgusted as she's describing what she told me. And I was thinking, I could, and I was thinking, this is the reason why is because the guy doesn't know any better. He's an asset collector. Do you know what I mean? No, what does that so mean? So his focus is to go around and collect assets his focus is to go around and just get people to sign over their accounts to me and put them in positions and whatever they can yeah, forget do, about and it they do. And, and then move on to the next right, account. And i'm thinking how in the world do you call yourself a financial advisor you're just nothing but a two-bit salesman well that's who, what that's what the majority people, like people me, are a bad name and it pisses me off because 
There are good ones out there like me. There's good mm-hmm. one. And first of all, you should know, guarantee, bar none, sometimes I'm going to be wrong. Guarantee it. Sometimes I'm going to be wrong. But, but she you interviewed you on the phone? She did. She did. Because she lives in PA. She didn't want to come. And what kind of questions would she ask you? You know, am I a fiduciary? Why am I a fiduciary? Um, what do you think about bonds? She said what attracted me to call you was this bozo is telling her to get into some bonds. And she says, the writing is on time. the wall. You don't get in the bonds at this point, especially at her age. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and she was asking me, well, what's my debt alternative strategies? Other than bonds, and I was frank with her. It's going to have to be cash, maybe an S&P 500 fund, and some high-quality dividend-paying uh, ETFs. Mm-hmm. Um, we we she asked me about the rate of return and what uh, you know what kind of investor suitability-wise that I think she was. I thought I told her I thought she was moderate risk, um, and our goal would to be maybe five to six percent returns, keep the money liquid, keep the fees low, um, you know, have a backup plan. I told her, and you know, our plan is to center X amount of dollars per month. And uh, off of what I thought was going to be a relatively um, safer approach and estimating the amount of income percentage-wise we can get her, she was. She said, "That's great. What's your contingency plan if the market falls apart?" I said, "We're going to, you know, we're going to. I'm going to ask you to reduce your monthly income off of that. We're going to, we're going to hide in these sectors, mostly cash, and just wait the storm out." I was like, "Cause the good old days of hiding in bonds were over," mm-hmm. and. Um, Again, I was just appalled about how this other guy was just just giving her like half ass answers. I wanted to jump. I wanted to call him and say, "What kind of man are you? Like, you telling us like you're nothing but a you're you're nothing but a two bit salesman. That's all you are." Anyway, it just he it wasn't makes, proactive. Not proactive. How are you going to tell somebody at sixty seven to get in bonds when you know damn well that if you have any brains that the interest rates are going to go up? They're already gone up. You're you're, you're literally setting your this client up at the time you're telling people smashed. to get the hell out of yeah, bonds. Yeah, exactly. What kind of person are you? Anyways, uh, he's charging you know one and a half percent of your wrong. Price is yeah, what you are. Yeah, like, <laughs> but it comes back to what I was talking about on this conversation. So, the the, 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 the I forget that I'm different because I just assume. Awesome. Men and women in my profession, we all do the well, same thing. Hey, haven't I been telling you that for the longest time, yeah, and you've been giving me a I, hard you know, time I, about I it? I just know so many good advisors like Rich Security, Brian Larry. I know all these great advisors, young guys like me, they all started the same together. And I'm thinking, man, I, I, I know these young guys are giving it where I started. They're all. Because I know because we all grew up in the same, kind of the same school of financial advising, what we're trying to accomplish. And then you run across these other guys who are doing that, you know, that life insurance, financial planner, send them the Christmas card and anniversary card and in exchange, you get half-ass advice. And it just, it just disgusts me. It really does. And you, and it wakes you up to the fact that you're doing something good and you're doing something different. So I, I told you before, I know I'm going to be wrong sometimes because if I'm, if I tell you I'm not, if I'm never wrong, that's snake oil. I'm going to be wrong. Guarantee it. But when I am wrong, I can give you an illustrated reason Detail reason of why I've been wrong objectively, and I can give you a formulated opinion based on facts and say, well, you know what? I see how you arrive there. And here's, and by the way, here's our strategy of how we're going to overcome what I didn't make you during this, the two period I was wrong, and how we're going to make above and beyond average gains with this new strategy. And you either choose a believer or you're not, but what you're not going to hear is, oh, just hang in there, and maybe this. And she was asking this guy detailed questions, and he was going, he's him on around, maybe we're going to do this. Well, I don't know. It's like, so, so meek and mild. I just want to strangle this guy. Anyways, go ahead, Ron, because I'm, no, no, no. I'm enjoying every yeah, minute you, of this. Just I mean, it's, uh, it's, 
In other words, he was a salesman. He just this is the problem with a lot of financial guys. They're looking to get more money under management, and when they get it, they're not actively managing that person's money. They forget, and they're moving on to trying to find someone else, another customer, if you will. Exactly. And that's the they're, problem. I call them asset gatherers. Right. And you don't, okay, if you're going to do that, and, and, call and, yourself and, a product salesman, call yourself what you are, and quit misleading people and telling them you're an investment advisor. And they put not. your stuff in investments, and they forget about you, and they move on to the next, and those investments might be lousy investments six months from now or six weeks from now, and they forgot all about it. They're not proactive. Well, I gave an example on my own my own account, and I'm talking about our, gro- our growth model right now. I was average returns until November. That's the truth because we've had so many significant ups and downs. I didn't know where to put people, so we did average we had average returns similar to the SP. November, I shifted everybody's accounts to KBE, XLB, XLI. Uh, a couple other ones I don't want to mention because I want to give the ship away. And we're up in two months, 4.5%, meaning <clears throat> I did something different for the client. I recognized that we were giving average returns. We were kind of in a trap. I had to, I had to reallocate the account to give them some kind of value. Had I failed, had that portfolio reallocation failed, I could have explained myself out of it and said, well, here's the reasons. Why you did what Why you did. Why I did what I did. Let's give it a little bit more time. Let itself work itself out. If not, I'll give you another strategy. What you're, what you're not going to hear is a meek and mild little pansy-ass guy. Well, maybe uh, oh, maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll do that. And uh, call me in a three or four months and we'll reevaluate. What a pathetic thing to say. Anyways, the the, the uh, it, I, I'm proud of what I did. So if you look at if you look at those particular ETFs, you know, four and a half percent return in, in two months ain't a bad deal. No, but uh, didn't you once tell me that if you can't beat the S and P five hundred, you might as well put it in the S and P five hundred. Going V O O Vanguard no. ETF. Right? Did you not say that? Yeah, yeah. And if you're a growth investor, and if you're a guy, but basically what you said is, I, I got to earn my money. If you exactly. put it in the S and P five hundred and you do better than what I do, then that's where you should put it because I should be doing better than that. And I put my money where my mouth is. I had one client. I got him two years ago. I'm going to call him Bob. Um, now, does he know Mary? He does not know Mary. <laughs> He's from the <laughs> The names have been changed to protect the innocent, folks. He put his money with me right at the exact wrong time. Market was up. We put it in good stuff. Didn't really perform. Lost money. And when it, when it lost money, when we got gains, all we did was recover the gains. He's been with me a year and a half. We charged him a fee, and he's got really nowhere in his money. So what I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to charge you a fee going forward until we make a significant gain. Mm-hmm. Which means, hey... Maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's not. But I'm here to I'm here to wreck the ship. You know, I'm here to to right the ship, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And it just happened to be honestly bad luck, bad timing, bad timing. But that's not the client's problem. That's John Arnold's problem. Ask me what it takes to be a successful radio announcer. Go, Ron. What is it? Take timing. Be, all right. Oh, never mind. <laughs> right out of joke. Akron. Right. Still is joking. Just want to throw that one at you. That's pretty good. See if I can get you anywhere. But Vikings back there laughing. Yeah, but I mean, this is but this is what uh, I like is I want people to know that are listening that you are actively involved with their account, and and that woman on the phone, in essence, that's what she wants, right? She exa- that's exactly what she wanted a fiduciary. She wanted low fees. She wanted transparency. She wanted unbiased approach. She wanted straight answers. If I can give you the overall summary of what her of what she wanted, objective reasoning 
some kind of brains behind their answers other than this him all around. Well, you, but you've said you, if even if I'm wrong, I can explain to you why I thought what I thought based on the technicals and everything, right? Exactly. Exactly. It would be hard for a client to come in and say, well, that was a dumb horse manure move. How did you come up with that? And I could literally present pages upon pages. Well, this is why. Here's the APS. Here's the here's the income statement, the balance sheet. Here's the product or the service they make. Here's the technical analysis. Here's where the tactical positions lie. Here's their competitors. I can go boom, 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 right. like, like a machine gun. And they say, well, at least you can justify what you did. You know what? It isn't going to be, well, this year the American funds didn't perform. And, oh, well, we'll, we'll take a look at your account in three months. It's just... Just drives me crazy. It really is pathetic. It just drives me so crazy. Well, and that's because, and most of you listening probably are well aware that a financial investments or investors take your money and totally ignore it and don't pay attention to to what they're doing at all. And you know, you might or, or put you in the wrong things to begin with. You'll explain to people why you hate bonds because interest rates are going up. You'll explain to people why you hate uh, annuities because of the fees that are involved in it and that kind of stuff. That in most cases, you're not crazy about annuities. Absolutely. I can mathematically break it and pin, break it apart in front of them to where they understand and say, you know what? This guy makes sense. This but how many times do you look at people and you find, particularly if they're older, somebody's got them in annuities and well, bonds? And, and, and too often... Too often, you see it and say, this is crazy. What pisses me off is they have all the money in the annuity. I got I to gotta tell you, all the money we manage, 20 to 18% of it's in annuities. Not my call. I do everything I can to talk the client out of it. But there's Because of high fees. Because, not because of high fees, and it, mathematically, it normally is going to help the client, or it's going to help the insurance company out, not the client. Example, let's say you put $200,000 into a variable annuity. You're getting a guaranteed GMIB, which is a guaranteed minimum income benefit. You're paying a, a total fee per year to this insurance company of 3.5%. That means you have to make 3.5% on the market value just to break even, right? Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you hold this damn thing for, for 10 years. Without compounded interest, because it's on my financial calculator, that's $35,000 a year or $35,000 over 10 years in fees just to break even on your annuity. And... To draw your money out of the GMIB, they only give you four percent, four or five percent withdrawal rate, mm-hmm. and in addition to that, they force you to do twenty, thirty percent of the allocation in bonds, which suck. You are trapped with that company for even if you have a short period, if your surrender schedule is four to seven years. Okay, you're trapped with that insurance company if you start drawing for life, or you're going to take a beating in ten years. That's just the way it goes. Or you better have some really, really good sub accounts. Here's my point. If a client comes in to us and says, listen, here's $500,000, this just happened today, ironically. Here's here's X amount of dollars, build me a portfolio of income where I cannot live it. Maybe I'll take $100,000 and plug it into the nudie, as long as the client knows what he's getting and why and the, the goods and the bads. So what happens is the annuity, sometimes we catch it right and it out really performs well. Of course, the first thing the client wants to do is put more money into the annuity. I say, no, 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 not so fast. Of course, that's going to give me a nice little commission, but that's not fair to the client. Let's look at the big picture here. There's going to be a time where the other accounts catch up and beat up on the annuity. There's going to be another time where the, the, the alternative investments beat up. My point is, is I'm going to create different legs of income because I can guarantee this. Diversity. Not all one investment is going to always be the, the, the remedy. Sometimes rental properties are going to be the remedy. Sometimes... Pretend this is not 2017. Sometimes bonds are not always are going to be the remedy. Sometimes 
dividend-paying stock. Sometimes an annuity is going to be the savior. Savior. What I do know is this. I've been through these markets enough to know not on not all one vehicle is a size fits all. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to get trapped up into the Johnny come lately. It's so easy to get trapped up into the, today's gain, today's value, and what's good today, and what and forget about the foresight of tomorrow. I'll give you an example. There's a product that has been very popular with our clients for the past six, seven years. It pays eight percent. It's a alternative investment. I don't want to be a salesman, so I'm going to say the name, but it pays eight percent. There's no stock market up and down. Like clockwork, that that cl- that client gets eight percent. So guess what the client wants? What they want to put all their damn money into an alternative investment because it's easy to read. This is what I put in. This is the this is the gain I got, and that's it. But a real estate investment trust or business development corporation is not a is not the savior of the investment world. They carry their own kind of risk. I- example: if this if this interest rate environment hurts the real estate world or the bond market world as far as loans, those two particular products are going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. If I have everybody's money, all their money, into that one particular product, I'm going to crash and burn with the client. I'm going to lose my license. The client's going to hate me, and I've just destroyed a relationship by not give you know not looking out for the client, so to speak. And, the, the, you know, we get paid a decent commission on those alternative investments. It's hard to turn away. Someone wants to hand you over forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in commissions, and you're, it's hard to say no. But I alter, I've been there, done that. I know what it's like to hurt. I know what it's like to have egg on my face. And I've learned my lesson. And, and I think after 17 years, I, I you know, I, I've, I've learned more from my mistakes than I have from my gains. And the clients are benefiting. I'm in my prime right now. So... I guess going back to what I'm saying full circle is it's easy to get it's easy to get headfirst into the now. The the clients love this thing because it pays eight percent. They put an X amount of dollars, now it's up eight percent. They they understand the statement so easy instead of you know, a thousand things on the brokerage account statement. And they're happy, I'm happy, but I've been there done that. Right, but then <laughs> and then they say, Well if it's a if it's a stock, it could go down. Exactly. But you, but all you're talking about is diversity, right? I'm talking about diversification, not only within a portfolio, but I'm talking about in vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you something else. Is I'm going to tell you what's coming down the pike that's going to be a great investment for you guys, uh, listeners out there. Uh, it's not here yet, but it will be. It's going to replicate the 80s. And that's going to be universal life. Now, so, what is that? Universal life is a, a life insurance policy that is connected to bonds and interest rates. All right? Now, now are, you, are you saying you like this or not? Yeah, I will. Now, I will. explain it so we all understand. So it. you can overfund your universal life policy to something called a MEC limit, a modified endowment contract. And let's say, like right now, I think the top payer is like 4%. So one way to get a 4% return guaranteed out of your portfolio is to overfund your, your life insurance policy. You can pull the damn money out any time tax-free. All right? So let's say you have, let's say you bought in the 80s of the universal life policy for $200,000 death benefit, and you've been putting in $1,000 a month. Let's say your cash value is, say, $80,000. Mm-hmm. And you got more room to go. This is all hypothetical, okay? You got more room to go, and you, wanna, you, want, you don't want to find a way to put money to work for you that, without taking risk. You're going to overfund purposely put more money than you should into that life insurance policy to what's called the MEC limit. And then three or four years when you don't, you need the money or let's just say you just want to take it out in a year, make it like a 4% CD. You could take it right back out. And the beauty is it's tax free. 
Now, with interest rates at all-time lows and that's paying 4%, that's a decent return. But wait till interest rates go into that 7 or 8% mark. It's a way for you to pick up an 8 to 10% return guaranteed, tax-free, without the life insurance company getting hurt, you getting hurt, you getting taxable, and having any risk. Right now, it's not an option. It's not that good of a deal. But that's coming down the pike. That's going to be another sword or another arrow in my, my arsenal that I'm going to shoot. That you like. Uh, that I'm going to like. So here's my point. Someone comes which, in. Which makes, I got to tell you, it kind of surprises me. It surprises you know, I, me. It, it's a, it was a, well, that's because. I'm, I mean, a little bit, I, I, I don't see that with you, but I, I, I get it. I'm all about the math. I really am. Because life insurance is kind of a bad word in my, in my industry. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, would that be more for the senior investor? It's about anybody who wants to make money. Okay. I'm a math wins guy. Listen, I don't give you I don't care if you had a shoebox, a magic shoebox that was giving you seven or eight percent. If that damn shoebox is gonna give me seven or eight percent with no with no risk and no tax, put all my money in it. You get what I'm saying? You know, give me that shoebox head first. As ridiculous as that sounds. So if I if I took here let me give you a little a magic act here. If I took and labeled that in that same exact investment, let's say a mutual fund that paid a guaranteed eight percent. And I secretly didn't tell you that was actually a life insurance policy. You could give a damn, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the deal. Just because it's called life insurance doesn't mean it's a bad investment. So I'm, I'm trying to get you, to, I'm trying to get our average clients out there to think like our very wealthy clients. Our very wealthy clients could give a damn what it's called. You know what they care about? The math. <laughs> and that's what I'm about. I think Vikings chirping. Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> I I think that's going to be very enjoyable. I'm looking forward to the second half hour right, myself. Too. All as right, a matter you're fact. your stuff there, Ronnie. I don't know that uh, that that is interesting. I thoroughly enjoyed that. We'll come back and we'll talk more with uh, the man right over there, microphone number two. That's John Arnold, Truth and Investing Show, News Radio five seventy WKBN. You know, call out of. Pennsylvania from the woman saying, "Well, I'm going to interview you," and that's and you like that, right? I love it. Love I mean, it. more clients know, should do that. And and uh, and he encourages that. We'll come back after the break. News Radio 570 WKBN with segment number two with John Arnold. He's here tonight till seven, so stay tuned. Securities and advisory services offered through Investicorp, member FINRA, SIPC. Information provided during the J. Arnold Wealth Management Company show is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. Please consult with your own investment advisor or tax advisor before making any investment decisions. Now back to the J. Arnold Wealth Management Show. He's on a roll tonight, folks. Okay, okay, okay. The News Radio 570 WKBN. Making sense... You know, I, I'm all for, and you encourage it, new clients to interview you to see what 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 you what you do and how what you do is different from how other people do it. Let's start right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not uh, John's an active money manager. In other words, when when uh, you invest with him, he, he can switch funds and that kind of stuff without asking your permission or doing it to react to what's going on in the market, right? Not that that happens daily. Well, that was another question she had. I, I told her, I said, listen, uh, I, I only accept discretionary accounts. If you're the kind of client that needs me to call you for every um, pick or every movement, I said, I'm not your guy because I don't do that. And she was, she loved that. She, uh, discretionary she, means he can move stuff without calling you. Yeah, I can move on behalf of your, on, on your behalf, time and price, 
for what's best for you, your suitability, what's best for your objective, your investment objective. I'm acting on your behalf. Um, now that doesn't mean I'm off the hook by just saying, well, we never talked to her again, which was her next question is how often do I talk to you? Or what can I expect for you? I said, you know, we're getting to the point in our, in, in our client base that honestly the face to face appointments are getting hard. A couple of years, probably the max we can do, but I'll have phone appointments with you as much as you need to, you know, just like we're doing now. She'd love that. Um, I said, obviously we're going to get you online, look at your account every day, but I'm going to send a, so something I'm very proud that we do is we send a quarterly newsletter out to our clients that describes in detail the strategy of what we're doing, what worked with what, them, with them, that specifically that down specifically what worked, what didn't, uh, charts on what they're in fact sheets of what they're in strategies I'm looking forward to like ideas that I see on the horizon, but we're not going into to yet. I also talk about the internal workings of the firm, meaning that I talk about who I've hired, who we fired. Here's the reasons why. Um, you know, some things on the on on the horizon as far as the investment industry as a whole. For instance, a lot of people like to know that maybe American General no longer offer offers financial services nor MetLife, which that's the reason why you're seeing these AIG um, offices close down. Why that is? Because the fiduciary rule standard is coming into play, and they can't afford to, to do that. Explain that to our listeners, because this is an important... So you're seeing those offices close because of a fiduciary thing. Listen yeah. to this, folks. So, so those particular MetLife, those insurance companies, brokers, you know, old school, old hat broker-dealers, they can't afford to live on fee base. So that being a fiduciary means you have to... Um, operate in my operate best in, interest. in your base, best interest. Uh, folks, legally. listen to this. You have to legally operate in my best interest. Like if I give you money, you have to operate in my best interest, not John Arnold's. And and these guys would be operating in commission run stuff in their Meaning best that, interest. Yeah. So they so there would be no proof. So and so not to throw, throw those guys on the bus. I think the majority of those guys do operate on their those clients' best interest, but there's no way to prove it because they're getting a five to seven commission up front. Are they making a sale to for them to make money yeah, and not so, for you? Yeah, there's, so there's nothing. So there's nothing legally binding them to do that. Now there is, and, and that's why they're getting out. Well, no, I think they're getting out. I can't put that on them. I want. I'm going to put it on it. Yeah, I want the audience to get the full the full scenario. So when you're fee based, you can the most you're going to make is two percent. All right, and most most people won't pay you two percent. So, so it's going to be one to one and a half. If you're used to getting five to seven percent commissions. And you have an office staff, and you got this and this and this you got to pay for, and it's based on five to seven percent commissions. And all of a sudden, you're going to go to two percent commissions, which, by the way, aren't going to be up front. You're going to build that quarterly, so you're not going to get your one or two percent up front. You're going to get it quarterly. Now you're in trouble because you have a lifestyle that's built for five to seven percent commissions, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you as an asset gatherer, are now legally you're going to have to prove to a regulator, which we just had our we just had our audit, and I could I literally. Could, I could. I didn't bring any notes with me. They're not. She asked me why, what, and how. I ran. I spit it out. Boom, boom, boom. Now, what does that mean? Yeah, uh, the audit. What is so the, the state of Ohio? Because I'm a state registered RIA. When I hit that's a, registered investment advisor. advisor. Okay. Right. There's a duty by the state of Ohio to audit every RIA firm in the state of Ohio. Everyone. Every single every one. year. Every year. Oh my God. And nor like for the past four years, we didn't have any deficiencies. Uh, I think this year we're going to have a couple deficiencies to which we have. So what happens is the state will say, well, what are they looking for? They're looking for criminal activity. This is a good thing. Yeah, I love it. It's a great thing. So 
criminal activity, overcharge of client accounts, positions, uh, suitability forms. They want to make sure for the state of Ohio residents that you're doing as an RIA or an investment advisor such as myself what you're supposed to be doing. And if the clients don't know any better, and they don't usually because they're busy doing their own life, who's watching, who's watching the hen house, right? So in comes a state auditor. David Melito and, and some other people that are appointed by the, this, the you know the governor or, or hired by that team, and they say, well, come in. And, and here's the beauty of the state of Ohio. Unless you're doing something criminally wrong, they're there to help you. They want to, they want to make you perfect so you can make the clients perfect. Mm-hmm. So now, witch hunt. it's just the opposite. If you're, you know, if you're, you're shady or if you're doing something stupid or if you're, you're double dipping on clients' accounts, which, which means if you're getting a commission and a fee on the same investment, they're coming after you. They're going to subpoena your bare bank records. They're going to they're going to work you, and you're going to be out of the industry, and you're going to get a criminal charge quick. So, I like that. Just like, again, you will hear me say this often. I was for the fiduciary standard, which was brought on by Barack Obama and Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren, which somebody who I rarely agree with. This is one of those times. Um, I I like the move. It protects the client. It makes our industry leaner. It makes our industry cleaner. Um, it's a it's a client first industry now. And before, you know, I was paying for Joe Schmo down the street selling viaticals and 20-year annuities to, to XYZ Senior. And here I'd done nothing wrong, but they're always looking at me, you know, with a, with a, with a weird eye. Like, is this that, you know, am I going to get the next scam here? I don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like Let's clean it up. Let's clean it up. Let, let's, get it, let's get it right. Let's get it uh, clean. And let's make our industry, the, I, you know, like the like the physicians industry to where it's a respected industry to where you don't feel like you're being sold something for a commission. Let's do it on performance like a CPA. So I I can literally have a four hour show. Earn, earn, basically, you got to earn your money. Got to earn your money and and you got to justify what you're doing. And I like that. Right by by. by it's just a different approach, is what basically you're well, saying. Well, it, it was. I, w- I did it in 2007. I turned I turned myself over to that in 2007. Now, are more but, people doing well, it? Well, they than have. Today? They have to. It's literally an industry requirement now. Unless there's a certain congressman or senator and a group of them that can then halt what's called a DOL rule, Department of Labor Fiduciary Standard. It's common. Everybody, you're going to see. Majority of our majority of our people go to fiduciary or get cleaned out. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get cleaned out, meaning they, they have to get a series sixty-five or sixty-six, which a lot of them won't be able to pass or want to pass. And they're going to have to obviously reformat their business model to be fees. And a lot of the older guys ain't doing it; they're just not. All right, now, now, and uh, I'll just uh, uh, let, let them talk about this a little bit. Then I'm going to get into what's going on in the market and that kind of stuff. Today, just to give you a read on that kind of stuff, but that, uh, but that does. I think that was an excellent job of describing your approach and your kind of stuff. Well, thank you. The fe- uh, your fees are based quarterly, right? Just yeah. so people understand it. But do so, you know why uh, we do it that way? Uh, yeah. So now you understand. <laughs> he, uh, you don't like. Well, let's change. Let's be realistic, folks. A lot of these guys would say, "Buy this, sell that." They'd make money when you bought it. They'd make money when you sell it, even if you lost money or they shift you to something else. They'd make money based on commissions. So the more trading and that kind of stuff you did, the better off they were. That wasn't in your best interest. With you, when a person, when you buy or sell somebody's stuff, there's no commissions on that, right? You, no, you know, no, no, well, there, no, there's no, no commissions. You, you pay it. Sometimes yeah. you, you pay them, right? 
Well, majority of our, fees. our a majority of our account, a majority of our clients want me to pay the custodian trading fees. Now, what does that mean? Listen well, to this, well, folks. Well, hear me out. So, how Fidelity and TD Ameritrade and Scott Trade and those guys how they make money is they get charged on a transaction, right? Either seven bucks or ten bucks. Or fifteen, depending on what kind of vehicle it is. Is that the broker? That's the that's yeah. That's the people on Wall Street. That's the people. Let's say I purchase XLV in, in a TD Ameritrade account. Well, TD Ameritrade's got to be paid to do that trade, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're not doing it for free, so they're charging somebody, either the client or myself, that ten dollars. Majority of my clients say, "Hey, I'll pay you know one one a quarter one percent, but you take care of all the all the all the extra fees." which is called a wrap account. And then there's other clients that I don't trade that much where it makes more sense for them to pay 1% and they pay the trading fees. You know, so if I trade five or six times, they'll they'll pay six, $60 in trades a year and they only get charged 1%. It really just depends. So we have two kind of conduits. We have, all right, client, you pick this side, we do it this way. This side, you, you do it this way. Period, end of story. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry to cough will you uh, do you take accounts in this day and age of where they say well you have to have two hundred thousand dollars or three hundred thousand dollars almost discriminating against uh, Joe bag of donuts do you I mean if somebody says okay I my I have seventy thousand dollars or something like that this is where this rule change hurts okay so if you want a top RIA firm, and I think we're one of them, but I'm biased. So okay. take take me out of it. Let's say there's a there's a firm in Canton that's top RIA firm, and they have a minimum of a two hundred fifty thousand dollar threshold, and they're charging one percent. They're saying we really can't make money on you, which is what our job is. Is our job is to make profit. That's how we stay in business, unless we're charging at least twenty five hundred dollars a year in fees. So, Mister Mrs. Client, you're going to have to go to a lesser lesser opinion, this is opinionated, RIA firm that maybe doesn't have as high quality uh, managers in it or service. Well, aren't there ones locally that say you got to have, what, a half a million and this oh, kind yeah. of stuff? It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. But that eliminates Joe Bag of Donuts. It is, and that's that's the sad part about this rule change. But that's the way it goes. I mean, it, you can't have both. You can't say no commission. Oh, by the way, we're going to force your hand on the RAA side and force you to take a small account and not make money on it. You can't do that. Now, me, I am where I am because I grew up with, you know, a middle, I grew up in a GM family. I'm, I'm not too bullheaded and big headed to say, you know, someone coming in with 70 grand, we're not going to help. We're going to help. You know what I'm saying? They're coming in asking for help and we can do it. We're going to do it. Will we prefer it to be a $500,000 account? Of course we would. Is that realistic in Mahoney but, but County? To that, not, to, not really. to anybody, that's that's your savings. Well, yeah, there's a lot of people that seventy thousand know, and, and they they deserve the same guidance that anybody else deserves. I couldn't, well, they probably, but you take that. They account. probably need it more as irony, right? But you take it. We take it. Now, is it going to get the hands-on strategic management on a daily basis that our five million dollar account is? No, because it's not realistic. Are they going to have better quality and better? Uh, uh, better potentially, I got to talk in, in potential, potential better assets than if they were doing it on their own? Probably. So I believe that when they come in to our firm, uh, I believe that they come into our firm and by the time they walk out, they're in a better place. I could say that in my heart, heart of hearts, 
regardless. But had, the same, uh, John, uh, John Arnold's, I guess, the same philosophy that you use on age and and risk and that kind of stuff on a person that's 300000 you use on a person with 70000 So So when you're initially investing for them, you're doing it the same way. Yeah, it would, it would actually cost me more money to do it any other way. Right. You know what I mean? Why change the program? Up? So you put it you you put it in those models and if you see major changes going on in the market, they'll they'll benefit from the exactly. changes too. So let's say that there's a $5 million account and there's a $70,000 account. Is the $70,000 account going to get that personalized four or five meetings a year face to face to go over the family trust as Joe Schmo 70,000? They don't need no, that. No. But no. they don't need that. But so for them it's about performance trying to get to that 5 million, right? So it's yeah, about so the they're, return they're piggy, yearly. Exactly. They're piggybacking. They're not going to get that warm, loving, Valentine cozy touch at the $5 million account is, but they're still going to pick up gains along the way of hopefully what they could have done on their own. Mm-hmm. And I, from a greed perspective, you wouldn't, I can tell you, we, we could have 20 shows and I would never cover enough times where a small client or a smaller client actually had way more than we thought and they were just testing me out or... They inherited money down the road or, you know, they came in, they had a 401k that over the years they, they retired from, and now it has 250, 300,000. And they remembered the guy who helped them initially when they had nothing. It all comes around. It's just, it, whether you're, listen, if whether you're a doctor or a lawyer, at the end of the day, I believe that everything comes around and goes around, right? Mm-hmm. He helped the guy with 70,000. He might someday come in with a half million, or he come in with a, with his neighbor that has a half million because you did him right. That's just the way life goes. Uh, what, what is your What is your goal? Well, just give me some ball, ballpark figures. Mm-hmm. Your goal with somebody that's close to retirement or retired. What are you looking to earn them percentage wise? I can and tell then you right somebody now. In that, detail. The, 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 I want to go from that to medium to high risk. What are those percentages roughly? If someone comes in, and like I had this client today. This client is literally weeks away from retiring. Has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Really, really awesome guy. Um, I've been pushing him to retire now for a couple of years and or a year, and he just won't do it. But he finally pulled the pulled the trigger. Um, now, why did you push him to retire? This is what <laughs> I'm going to answer. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to answer it because <laughs> now this is what you've said. I'm trying to think of a Go nice ahead. way to say it. Say he it. says, uh, you know, a lot of times I push people to retire because they're uh, they die. Yeah. They die. You know, know what I, I mean? think of when I say 65 year Because you go guy? to some of these funerals. I think of my dad. I think of my dad in double and triple overtime in GM and my mom working two or three jobs. But, but go, you've me told out. me about cases yeah. where you've had clients that yes. say, I'm going to work time 70 or this and that, kind, and they and never they drop, make it. Right. That's my point. Or they're too so, sick to enjoy their money. I think of my dad, my mom and dad, and I think, God, if this was my mom and dad and they had all this money, knowing how hard they work for this money, and then they croak at 72. That's not life, man. That sucks. I tell them, get the hell out of there. I beg them, get out of there. And listen, that extra couple hundred dollars you're going to get by working three years is not worth it, man. You're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. You know what? The problem is... Enjoy your life while you still bright, can. Yeah, exactly. Let's be honest here, Ron. You, you turn 78, 80. What really is there to do? Right? Well, 80 is a, a big turning point yeah. if you're, if really, you're lucky enough you to make it. I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? Seriously. A lot I'm of your friends have died. Movements. <laughs> right. A lot of your friends have died. Your grandkids hardly come around. Your and you worry about gone. tomorrow. You're, 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 you know your days consisted of going to doctor's appointments. Right. Listen, take these next 15 years of your life, these golden years, and make them golden. 
You want to go see your friend in Kentucky? Go see your friend. You want to buy that sports car you all wanted, that antique Corvette that you didn't have money as a kid to get, and now you do? Get it. Spend your damn money. Don't go to the grave with hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's it's ridiculous to me. But you know but what? But you see it. I see it every day, and it breaks my heart. My, my parents are those people. Mm-hmm. They've been brainwashed all these years, turn the heat down in the winter, turn the heat conditioning off in the summer, clip the coupons, and meanwhile, they got hundreds of thousands of dollars they'll never spend, and it drives me crazy. They don't even you know spend what? their Social Security. When you talk, I've seen that, too. I've seen people who do that. Folks, uh, when you're talking, I'm thinking, I've seen parents do this. They die, their kids inherit it, and guess what? They go buy all this stuff. All the things that they you, want. You know, they don't sit there crying and cherishing this money. They go spend it. I, I met with a, a really young, successful CRNA, which is a certified registered nurse anesthetist. This cat's making 180 a year. His, his, his soon-to-be wife is going to be making another 100. So together, they're almost doing 300, all right? Mm-hmm. He's 29. He's been, he's been really budgeting, saving all his money. So we put a plan together, and, and he said, and I basically, he's like, well, shouldn't I be putting more? I said, no. You know what I want? I'm going to call him T. I want you. What was his reaction to that answer? Hear me out. You know what I want? I want you to make a budget, and I want you to have a plan of what you're going to put in the savings, and you know what I want you to do with the rest of the money? And he's expecting me to say, put it into this stock or put it in this or this. And this. I said, I want you to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. He couldn't believe it. I said, let me tell you something. How many people you see in the OR a week die? Just because they couldn't make it through surgery or maybe post-op. And not necessarily at 60, maybe right. at 30. I said, let me, hear you, let, me hear you, let me tell you something. Those people have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank when they die. How good is it then? Mm-hmm. I said, you and your wife, soon to be wife, have a good thing going. You make a lot of money. Put put X amount of dollars, thousands of dollars aside. This is for retirement. And go have a blast with the rest because you don't know what tomorrow comes. They looked at me cross-eyed. They looked at me like <laughs> I had That's the most like, honest answer you're going to get. But I said that because they were expecting me to say, well, hoard that cash and give it to me so I can get a fee off it. No, that's ridiculous. And you know what? After talking to them for 20 minutes more, they got it. I showed them what they're going to be at at age 50, 55, with that amount of money saving. They're going to have more money to know what to do with. And at least along the way, they'd enjoyed it. I probably am the only financial advisor I know that begs our clients to take their damn money or not you know, not invest it all with me. But I, I just call it like I see it. Who cares if you go to the coffin with $3, 4000000 million? It what, doesn't matter. What do you, uh, what's your, uh, John Arnold's our guest, what do you see for 2017? Where are you right now? I'm glad you brought that up. I see an eight to twelve percent S and P five hundred market from today's date to next year. That's the, significant. Yeah, I do. I see a nice market. I and and P- you got to beat the S and P. Hell, if I make twelve percent, I don't care if I beat it or not. A lot of people will be happy with me. Um, I see the particular sectors we're in really performing. I see a couple big downturns along the way. I do to, to make because if we continue on the market as it is now, year to year, you're looking at a twenty percent return. Guess what? That ain't going to happen. So it's going to average itself out. But I think I mean, a lot of people are excited, both independents, Democrats, and Republicans, for the change in administration. Uh, you look with, you know, Ford's So you're optimistic? Carry, so very optimistic. Very, very optimistic without that much caution, believe it or not. The only thing that really cautions me is an ISIS attack, which you can't oh, control. Terrorism stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean, those people just honestly are scared of hell out of me. Are you liking, I'm talking sectors, are you liking the energy sector? Love the energy sector, especially construction of the energy sector. I'm not just talking about the actual drilling of oil. I'm talking about the drills themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the pipelines themselves. I'm talking about the shipping. It's. I'm talking about the industrial components that go into making those drills. 
I love that oil and gas engineering sector. I love it. It's beautiful. And that particular sector is coming back in this area, by the way. Are you nervous about the medical sector when they're talking about, about Obamacare and changes? Absolutely not at all. If anything, I think it's going to carve it up in, in, in the good way. First of all, we already know affordable health care is going to be here to stay. That, mm-hmm. that bill is here to stay. But what I love but about... But there's changes that, coming. That's what I love. I think, I think Trump and his team are going to carve it up to where it's going to make sense for both. Right, right now, it doesn't make sense for me because I'm a young man with a young family paying $1,300 a month with an average plan versus Joe Schmo down the street paying peanuts for the same plan. That's <laughs> does, not fair. Does that uncertainty, though, make the market nervous of what's yeah, going to happen? Of course it makes it nervous. But at the end of the day... It, when 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 the dust settles, if both parties, when you got a win win, that's good for all parties. What's your reaction to uh, you, you were talking about the Santa Claus rally, and we still out shifting? What are your thoughts about Macy's and Sears closing all these stores? Man, and I've been telling you about that. That's my play on Amazon. It's, this is just this is the tip of the iceberg, brother. Look at the sto- look at all these box stores up and down two twenty four. I'd be a betting man. I'd be willing to bet you 25% of them don't exist in 10 years. Really? Absolutely. Because of the internet? They can't compete. They cannot compete. So this doesn't surprise you? This doesn't surprise I honestly thought it would come faster. All right, that hour flew. Well, uh, how, do we, how do we get a hold of you? All right, free consultations, 330-965-9890. No pressure. Oh, say it slowly, please. All right, 330-965-9890. We get free consultations with no pressure. You can find us uh, right off of Tippy Canoe. On the right side of uh, 224, we're in the Star Center Boulevard Plaza. Last building on the left. Thank you, John. Thank you for everything. News Radio 570 WKVN.